0: broadcast partner from the sidelines who is actually not on the sidelines right now but he's our sideline reporter during football and he does all the podcasting for the university of miami josh darrow is with us josh good evening uh we started the week with a national championship college football game that was a complete route uh did georgia show us how far away everybody is
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) the short and long answer is yes uh they showed us how dominant they are, you know, Don and I, Don used the number this year in the pregame show about what it takes to be at that level. And he used five and 15 really easy. I've I memorized it five first round picks, 15 overall draft picks. That was from last year's team, right? That's what they lost. And they came back and won the national championship and just throttled uh, TCU. And so you know, I think we spoke about it you know, off air, just talking after the new year's, Obviously, I see Don a whole bunch since I work in his company uh, and with him and, and talk to him. And, and, and I don't think, uh, or at least I hope, I guess, if you're a fan of the Miami Hurricanes, I think maybe the realization uh, of where we really are, where we need to get to, and what that's, what the steps in the process will take to the there's sort of a complete roster overhaul. And I think obviously you look at the 23 recruiting class and, and you got to be pleased with that. And I think you understand what it's literally going to look like, but yeah, if you look at Georgia and, and what they did, especially, you know, at the line of scrimmage, um, and it's funny, I was listening to, to some other guys that, that were at the national championship game. Have they, you know, they don't have qu- the quintessential dominant quarterback, but I think Stenson Bennett is a lot better than anyone will give credit for it. but it's how they've surrounded him with elite level talent all over the place. Um, and how, but you got to remember with Kirby smart, this is your six and seven. This is not your one and two. So what it's take for, how long it's taken for him to build this up. And, uh, so I'll just go back to your, your initial question. Yeah. You see what it looks like. And even if you just didn't watch the championship games, look at the, the college football playoff, or even look at some of the higher level bowl games. If you see what it looks like, you see the, the quality of talent, you see the type of players, and then you really kind of look back at who we are and what we've been and where we have been for a very long time and what our roster looks like, and what it needs to look like, and who's no longer on the team, and who's coming in, I'm not sure the picture could be any more crystal for what it is that Miami Hurricanes football is today, but where it is going under Mario
0: Cristobal. It's painful for me to say this, but look at who Georgia has defeated the last several years, and look who Miami has lost to the last several years. That should tell you that this needs an overhaul of talent.
1: Yeah, and I saw something else today, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this a little bit, but in terms of just the upper echelon of the SEC, what they did in the bowl series, what they did during, you know, the, the college football playoff and the bowl games, I think they knocked off like the big, well, they knocked off the big 12, you know, runner up in, in TCU, the big 10 runner up in, you know, Ohio State, the, you know, I think they took down uh, a pac 12 team you know like the, the SEC in, in, in at the final in the in the final storyline destroyed all the other teams by a wide margin It was like two, a two hundred point point differential between like the top four SEC teams and them taking down the top or the second place team in opposed oh including the ACC Clemson Tennessee right mm-hmm. so you know top team in the big Ten or second place team in the big Ten big 12 AC whatever. the the SEC annihilated them all. And so, and to your point, right, who does Georgia beaten and those teams, you know, who have we lined up against and, and we've fallen short against the higher level SEC teams. We've still fallen short against Clemson, which is the, you know, the cream of the crop of, of the league. And FSU was, was, you know, just behind them. And that wasn't pretty either. And so I think, I think maybe people got too used to maybe what was quote unquote good and what really is good or great or elite, and, and I don't think those are anywhere in the same sentence. Uh, I think maybe there's a little bit of hyperinflation, not economically, but when it, you know when it comes to the areas that have been recruited and where you should go looking for your talent and what kind of talent it really takes. Um, because at the end of the day, and I don't want this to be like a a "what was me," but at the end of the day, it's not a one-year thing or a two-year thing or a three-year thing. It's been a 15 to 18 year thing of the of every year hoping for the better. Reality sets in. The end result's the same. And and there was only one thing that was going to really change that. And it's you the the roster the rost the 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 uh, the quality of the talent of the player on the roster had to get better. That has started. That has certainly started. You look at what Mario did when he got here in one month. You know, Nigel Lee Kelly, Cyrus Moss you know, Travante Citizen, I'm um, forgetting someone off the top of my head, D'aleel Skinner. You look at, you know, the recruiting class so far in 23, you're talking about like the, the best players at their position in the country. And then you also look at, and I think this, this shouldn't get lost, Joe, is, you know, there was a lot of frustration this year, and I understand it in terms of uh, Miami's ability to, to score points and even in some instances to stop, stop the ball. Obviously, there was a lot of injuries to deal with. But at the end of the day, you've said this You've said this a lot when we've done pregame shows. You usually say it in reference to the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? They know what it looks like, and they know what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, Mario Cristobal knows what it looks like, and he knows what he wants, and it wasn't here. And I don't think you sacrifice, or in, in his world, you're not going to sacrifice what he wants it to be, long-term answers and long-term success and long-term foundation for short-term gain, which means he had to accrue – the talent that is necessary to play the style that he wants to play, or even play the style for the most part that a lot of the Georgia plays, you know, where Alabama plays, maybe not Ohio state. And if you look at who they've recruited, right, the top two guys, the top four guys in the 23 class were all on the line. Magawa, if I got that right, probably butchered it, but the kid from IMG, Pancake Concho, Ruben Bain, Jaden Wayne, those are the top four kids in the class all on the line. Then you look at what they've done in the portal. Some of it, the kid from Purdue, the kid from UCF, and the, and the offensive lineman from Alabama. So it's no secret what needed to get fixed in some regards, what this thing's supposed to look like. And You look at Inez Cooper or McCoy, right? If you look at what that line, if this all comes together, you're, not this year but the next year or the year after, what that offensive line will look like compared to what it's been, I mean, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what you have to look at. Uh, across the rest of the team in terms of your initial question georgia if that's the goal then some of these guys look like the type of players georgia would be recruiting or even try to recruit and that's what this is all about
0: Uh, josh is our guest josh you do a lot of the podcasting for the university of miami who have you had on recently that has stood out to you
1: well i think the obviously football drives the boat um you know, obviously in terms of interest in the program, the sport, uh, the school, uh, our landscape, our life, et cetera. But we hit this one out of the park. Pretty good. Josie, Brian McKinney is this week's guest and you just have to be into the college football hall of fame. Um, I like to say we planned it that way. The little, you know, what, what does, what does Jimmy say? Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So yeah, we, we hit that one. We hit that one out of the, we hit that one out of the park, tiger Clark who just got into the orange bowl hall of fame and, Now as a coach at Robert Morris, and um, I I think the thing that stood out to me with with Tiger Clark, and I've had this with other football players, and I think this speaks to um, the conversation we're having, right, is we, we, and Kelly Jennings has been on uh, recently, we've had some some fabulous student-athletes, but let me just finish this point on Tiger Clark. And it's happened with other players that we've had on him. Santana Moss, Antrell Roll, um, Clinton Portis. I mean, we've had a, a number of guys. Steve Walsh. I mean, we've had a ton of football guys from all eras um, come on the podcast. But, you know, there's been this missing piece of leadership and and the, and the competitiveness, right? That, that it's been missing from Green Tree. We, we know how special Green Tree was, how passionate, hard-hitting, and physical, and how competitive those practices were. But what I think has become clear to me, and it circles back to the conversation we've been having, yes, you can recruit leaders, and yes, you can recruit guys who love football. and Yes, you can recruit guys like Mario Cristobal, essentially, love football, hard workers, grinders, etc. But I do believe now, after kind of thinking this through and studying it, some of that competitiveness is driven by how well you recruit. Because at the end of the day, when you have a depth chart, that looks like Georgia when you can replace 15 guys that go to the league and have a season like you had this year, or we used to always joke about Alabama and the number of top 150 players they had, or how about the number of guys that don't even last, right? They run off more guys than art than the Miami Hurricanes have had at the upper echelon of the recruiting cycle. But how is competition bred? It's not just bred by the kind of people you put in the pro. I mean, it is in part, yes, you get Dan Morgan or John, or John Beeson or those guys. Yes. They're of a certain DNA that can drive a programmer, Ed Reed. But the real competition in my mind now, as I've thought this through, is bred by recruiting. Because once you recruit to the level that Mario wants to recruit, once you recruit to the level that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have recruited to, the competition, it's like, a was it, a, a social Darwinism, law yeah. of the jungle? Like, there's only one way to survive if you're a player on the team. If you don't, it, it's... It's like self-managed. What the coach has to do becomes minimized because if you're uh, Clinton Portis in a room with Willis McGahee, James Jackson, and Etcher and James, there is only one way to get on the field. And if you part, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I was going to use some colorful language, Josie, then mm-hmm. you, know what? you are naturally removed from the process. Mm-hmm. But what, unfortunately for Miami in, in the last however many years it's been, there haven't been enough players to do that. So you can't remove people from the process because you need those people to compete. And it's kind of been this self of, and you've always talked about Kai's leaving early and holes in the roster. And there wasn't a portal to fill in the gaps until very recently. And so I think competition is bred by bringing in the best players because at the end of the day, there's only one way to get, like Jesse Armstead was on the podcast. And I think it was, was it Robert Bass, the linebacker? I guess. Was it Robert Bass, the linebacker? Yes. Yep. So Jesse Armstead said, you know, he he hurt his knee, I think, or his shoulder, and he's on the sideline. They bring in Robert Bass. I think he was either a Juco guy. And all he's thinking about on the sideline is watching that guy play, trying to take his position, and he was going to have nothing to do with it. That as soon as he got healthy, he was back on the field, and he was going to take that guy's job. Tiger Clark, hell, he talked about Cortez Kennedy, and you know this better than anybody. I don't think he saw the field till he was a senior. That's right. Tiger Clark sat behind... You know George
0: Meyer, Rod
1: Carter, and Randy Shannon, and I don't even know. You know, I've, I've lost the names. You would know them, right? But that's that's how this happens. And Don's made a great point. Cam Kitchens and James Williams. I love both of them. Cam Kitchens. I encourage everyone to listen to the podcast episode ninety three. I'm not sure you could find a better representative of collegiate athletics beyond football than Cam Kitchens. But Don's point is, is well taken, right? They're freshmen and sophomores trying to figure it out. No one has been around to show them what it's like. But if you go back to Tiger Clark or Just uh, or any of those guys, there was a pecking order. And you either had to fight through it to get on the field, or at least there was someone there to show you how to get there on the field, or you were able to watch and learn. And that's how this whole thing gets rectified, and it's why it takes a few years, because it's not a one-class deal. And I would warn everyone, as I love the recruiting class, I love the guys they're bringing in, I love what they did last year, it's not flipping on a dime. It's not flipping it. It's going to get better, but you need multiple, multiple, multiple high-level recruiting classes for everything that we talked about to come into for, to come to fruition to get this program where we all want it to be.
0: How do we listen to the podcast?
1: So but, uh, there are a couple of different ways. Pretty much any any podcast provider. So that could be uh, you know, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Um, uh, I don't have, There's a whole litany of, of, of podcast providers. I'm an Apple Podcast guy. Uh, So I just find it on my phone. If you have an iPhone, for the most part, if you're not, you're a Google Google, Samsung type of guy, Uh, I think it's Stitcher or Spotify, Pandora, et cetera, or you can go to the uh, my Hurricanes website, and there's a drop-down link for the Behind the You podcast that you can just pull it down and and listen to it uh, on your computer, um, or or somewhere else. I think I did that right. I'm an <laughs> Apple guy, so it's easy. to right. It's already on my phone. I don't have to think about it. But I'm sure this thing is getting dispersed on any way, any 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 platform that you can listen to podcasts on. You should be able to find it. Yeah,
0: I know they're all great. Thanks for joining us on uh, Hurricanes Rewind here tonight. Got a big game tomorrow against North Carolina State in basketball. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about the 10-year anniversary of University of Miami basketball. We'll do that oh, in the coming weeks.
1: Yes, we, we, will, we will do that. We have a big podcast planned. I've already talked to some of our old friends, Julian Gamble, Ryan Brown, Garius Adams, and I'm trying to track down Shane Larkin and Big Reggie. Um, but yeah, it's the ten years of of the
0: ACC you know, championship.
1: Uh, just an unbelievable ride and um, just an unbelievable season and and brings back great memories. In which I, which is why I love what Coach L has done the last few years. Because when basketball, I know. I know football is the lead dog, but man, when, when, when Jim Laird, when college basketball and Jim Laranega and the U.M. team is right at U.M., it's a great for everyone. Great for families, great for kids, great for my kids, great for the, great for, for the student section. Uh, and when you get on that joy ride of the, of March Madness, right? You're every, every five days you're on a plane, going to another site, you're, you're two wins away from, from making, making it to the next stop, you know, in the, in the, in the sprint. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun and I know last year it was a ton of fun uh, for you. I know as a fan it was awesome that year 10 years ago running through all those teams, winning going into Greensboro, taking down the league, you know just actually I think we did to like Duke and Carolina what Georgia did the DCU and, and the kids are great. you know the kids are great. the venue's awesome. There's not a bad seat at the Watts go. I've been there on my own dime. I've been there through the University of Miami. You can sit anywhere and everywhere and it's phenomenal, and uh, I'm fired up for, for cane soups, and I can't wait.
0: All right, that's uh, Josh Darrow. Big, uh, big game coming up tomorrow against NC State, then Monday back home against Syracuse, then next week at Duke. So the next three games, NC State, Syracuse, and Duke. We'll join you tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. with our pregame show on the Shark FM 104.3, the Shark. Thanks to Josh Darrow, Don Bailey Jr., I'm Joe Zagacki, and our producer, Danny Garcia. Have a very pleasant good evening.